From the concert halls to the juke joints, from churches to festivals in the fields, welcome to another episode of Bill Street Caravan, celebrating the sounds of Memphis and the Mississippi Delta for more than 20 years. Heard around the globe on NPR Worldwide, major funding for Bill Street Caravan is provided by the AutoZone Corporation and Memphis Tourism. Hi, I'm your co-host, Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Jared Boyd. This week on Bill Street Caravan, we have alternative and hip-hop fusion artist Mike Doty. Grammy-nominated blues man Guy Davis will be with us to deliver an installment of the Blues Hall of Fame, an exploration of the lives of the pioneers and innovators enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame here in Memphis, Tennessee. Brought to you by the Blues Foundation. That's all coming up right now on Bill Street Caravan. Hey, Pat. Hey, JB. This week, we've got Mike Doty on the show. He's been calling Memphis his home for some years now, but his impact on indie rock and hip-hop has been felt globally for a couple decades. The tour spans sprawling 3,000-seat halls as well as more intimate dive bars like Midtown Memphis's Bar DKDC, which is right where we had a chance to see him. Doty has an off-kilter, intoxicating tenor and a haunting draw on and off stage. His lyricism borders along the lines of singing and rapping from a stream of consciousness. It's not hard to get caught up in a trance-like state listening to him do his thing. I felt the same thing talking to him. I found myself having to snap myself out of his hypnosis a few times. The rest of Memphis seems to be mesmerized with him too. He moved to town in 2015 and seems to have taken to the local arts community, in particular with his mentorship over local MCs. Whether his presence has been felt on any local rappers, you can definitely hear pieces of his repertoire and the work of alternative hip hop darlings like Aesop Rock and LP. Well, that's no surprise. Though Doty is Southern bound now, his story in Soul Coughing begins at New York's Knitting Factory, where he worked as a bouncer in the early 90s. He was already devising rhymes back then, and the rest of the guys who would go on to make up Soul Coughing were rotating in and out of bands that frequented the bar. Now a solo act, Doty performs selections from the album with an ensemble of new friends and musicians who reinterpreted his former band's work. It's a testament to the original success of Ruby Vroom, their debut album, which gave some critics in the early 1990s their first taste of down-tempo acid jazz, trip-hop, and other electronic music elements that slowly began to creep into popular music in the U.S. and the U.K. While Soul Coughing is no longer together, Doty kept their legacy front and center, sucking crowds in each venue into the band's original message and sound. We saw that for sure when we met up with him at Bar DKDC. Here's a bit from that performance with Mike Doty, live on Bill Street Caravan. A man drives a plane into the Chrysler Building. A man drives a plane into the Saskatoon is in the room Memphis is in the room Shanghai is in the room Fairbanks is in the room It's Chicago 
It's Andrew Scrap Livingston. The 5% nation of Nyquil. The 5% nation of Judy Tanuga. The 5% nation of Smokey the Bear. The 5% nation of Ken Jong. The 5% nation of Eric B. and Rakim. The 5% nation of Cassio Tong. The 5% nation of Cassio Tong. 5, 15, 25, 35, 45, 55, 65, 75, 85, 95, 100. of the Meisner Technique. The People's Republic of Post-Structuralism. The People's Republic of Lemony Fresh. The People's Republic of Chocolatey Delicious. The People's Republic of Minty Cool. The People's Republic of Cassio Tone. 
More from Mike Doty, live on Bill Street Caravan. Exits to freeways twisted like knots on the fingers. Jewels cleaving skin between breasts. Radio Man 
That was Mike Doty live on Beale Street Caravan. For more information on Doty, visit MikeDoty.com. We'll be back with more music from Mike in just a bit. Up next, Grammy-nominated bluesman Guy Davis takes us through the life histories of the pioneers and innovators enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame. This segment is brought to you by the Blues Foundation and is also available as a standalone podcast through iTunes. This week, we're learning about Rufus Thomas. The Chevrolet pulled to the curb and stopped. It was a two-door 54, black, white rag, and white wall tires. It looked as long as a city block with sharp fins on the back. Grimes jumped out of his bedroom window at the sight of the Chevy and ran for it. The passenger door opened. Everybody was jammed in there. Mickey, Frog, Tally, and Floyd in back. Big Ella up front. The bass fiddle practically pushed the back seat into the trunk and rested on the dash between Big Ella and the driver. At the wheel was Rufus Thomas. Welcome to the Bearcats, Rufus announced. He threw the Chevy into gear and swerved into the street. Grimes had to squeeze beside Big Ella in the front seat. We got a young buck, she told the others. Y'all speak correctly. From the back seat, Mickey said, 
His lean so clean, you could stir cabbage with it. Rufus laughed so loud that the car shook. He slowed down, put his forehead on the wheel, and slapped the dash with his hand. Grimes forced a chuckle. Rufus drove from North Memphis down to Orange Mound. He pulled the big Chevy into the dirt lot behind the brown derby. The Bearcats unloaded and lugged their gear through the unlit yard, spotlighted in the high beams of other cars pulling in. They heard the meh from out of the darkness, and by the flickering light of the parking lot, they saw goats sprinkled all over the yard. Inside, guys rolled dice out of a leather horn straight onto the floor, but there was no time to get caught up in a game. Rufus set everyone up and took a moment with each instrument to show the musicians how to play his songs. Keep yourself in B-flat, Rufus yelled, fingering the keys on Floyd's saxophone and moving on. He picked up the drumsticks and flourished a beat for Grimes. What do you play, Rufus? The drummer asked. I can't play dead on any of them. Just give me a shuffle, Rufus said. That ended the rehearsal. The Bearcats shuffled into the first number. Big Ella took the mic. Rufus is a makeup artist, Big Ella said, half to the crowd, half to the band. He'll stand here and make up songs all night. You made me feel so mean. Big Ella told the audience, police arrested me for conjuring hoodoo. Rufus asked, yeah, what was the charge? She said, $500. As the band shuffled, a lady in a sleek black dress caught every eye in the joint as she performed the newest dance. She rocked her hips all the way down to the floor. Rufus followed everyone's eyes and channeled their thoughts. They didn't want her to stop. He owed them everything he could do to help. He sang... After the show, everyone packed back into Rufus's car, fitting in the seats around the bass fiddle. Gotta go to work, Rufus said. It's five o'clock in the morning, and my shift at the textile mill starts at six. Grimes asked, Rufus, why you do all this, man? Rufus said, because every time I think I got my ends to meet, somebody come up and move the ends. It's going to be the death of you, Big Ella told him. I'm going to survive, Rufus said. And I'm going to do something recognizable so when I pass off this land of the living, I will be remembered. And after struggling to remain awake for 57 and a half cents an hour, Rufus headed toward his next job, hosting the Sepia Swing Club on radio station WDIA. For Rufus, WDIA made strange connections. The station broke barriers in the outside world. Every DJ was black, every show aimed for a black audience. But the owners were all white, and the DJs weren't allowed behind the glass between the studio and the engineer. The contradiction came to a head, so to speak. The place had only one bathroom. Rufus opened the door and stared into it. It looked pretty much the same as the one in his house. He looked around. Nobody. He thought, I am part of this institution, and I'm not going to go outside anymore. He walked in and slammed the door. 
And when he stepped back out, Rufus was standing face to face with a guy who was either IRS or FBI. Horn rim glasses, skinny black tie, starched white shirt. I'm Jim Stewart, the man said. We listen to you all the time down at the studio. Picking up his chin off the floor, Rufus calmly asked, what studio would that be? Satellite Records, Jim said. Brand new. Fact, I brought you this. He handed Rufus a record and his business card. Maybe you could give it a spin? Rufus had the record on the air before Mr. G-Man got back in the car. Rufus watched Stewart flip on the radio. Stewart looked back towards Rufus, nodded his head one time, and smiled. I'm just a fool in love with you. You said you love me, said you'd be true. From DIA, it was time to stop home for a quick bite, then take the Bearcats back out into the night. Though Rufus barely had time to think, much less go to the bathroom, a song had been bubbling in his mind. He thought about bantering with Big Ella on the stage like an old married couple. They always came together at the end, kissed and made up. In his living room, Rufus grabbed a cardboard sign that advertised his show at the Brown Derby. He turned it over and jotted down some verses out of his mind. It was a totally different twist on a duet, unlike anything else on the radio, fast-paced and driving not sing-songy syrup. Rufus had just a few minutes before he needed to leave again for the next shift. He raced around the house and grabbed up his tape recorder. With no Big Ella around, he needed someone to fill in the female lead and called for his teenage daughter. Rufus put the tape recorder on top of the TV set. He and his daughter Carla stood in the living room in front of the TV, belting out the song like they were on stage. Rufus scattered out the instrumental breaks and soft-shoed in his sock feet while Carla sang. It was a ten-minute masterpiece, and he knew just who to show it to. He grabbed the tape and the business card and hit the door. The next afternoon, Jim Stewart called him at WDIA, and in no time, Rufus parked his 54 at the curb outside the Satellite Records studio. It was really an old movie theater. He walked in and looked up at the high, curving ceiling and down across the hard floor that slanted to where the screen used to be. The Bearcats were already there waiting. To their surprise, Rufus walked in with a new female vocalist, his 17-year-old daughter. Grimes smiled at Carla. Are you Big Ella? he asked. Big Ella can tear a house apart, Rufus said, but she don't come across on record. Rufus led the recording session like he directed his gigs. Rufus hummed the melody, clapped the time, and the musicians played it back for him until they got it right. One thing didn't translate from the Bearcats' live act, though. The shuffle. Grimes spoke up. I heard this New Orleans beat they called the heebie-jeebie. He demonstrated, like that song, ooh poop I do I love it, Rufus shouted. After two takes, Jim Stewart stepped out, holding out a record for Rufus. Maybe you can give it a spin, Jim smiled. Rufus kicked off the next sepia swing hour in grand ceremony. I've been telling you about the big record Carla and I recorded, and we do think it's big. Here it is. Cause I love you.
a struggling little music company had its first big hit. It would soon change its name from Satellite to Stax Records. And Rufus Thomas soon worked his last shift at the textile mill. Thanks for listening to the Blues Hall of Fame podcast, brought to you by the Blues Foundation. The Blues Hall of Fame podcast is produced by Bill Street Caravan for the Blues Foundation, written by Preston Lauterbach and voiced by Guy Davis. For more information on the Blues Foundation, go to blues.org. Street Caravan has been bringing the sounds of Memphis to public radio airwaves for more than 20 years. And now you can see what we've been talking about. Check out our series of digital shorts through our website or go to iListenToMemphis.com. I Listen to Memphis is about Memphis music today, the musicians who make it, and the places and culture that fuel it. Again, it's iListenToMemphis.com. AutoZone is proud to support Bill Street Caravan and many other arts organizations that strengthen the greater Memphis community. Parts are just part of what we do. AutoZone.com. Bill Street Caravan is also supported by awards from Memphis Tourism, Tennessee Arts Commission, Arts Memphis, and Tennessee Tourism. TennesseeVacation.com. The soundtrack of America was made in Tennessee. We're back, and for those of you just tuning in, we've got hip-hop indie fusion artist Mike Doty on the caravan with us. If you're not familiar with him, you could reach back to 1994 to hear his debut record with Soul Coughing titled Ruby Vroom. These days, Doty is celebrating the release's 25th anniversary. When it was brand new, it enjoyed some critical success. And this was long before it was typical to hear hip-hop blended so tightly with angsty rock and jazz. Don't remind me that those new metal years came shortly thereafter, please. It's sad enough that I had to live through some of that. Sorry for the memories, but everyone needs a little limp biscuit here or there. (laughs) Well, I guess we have Doty to thank for that, partly. Sure, you could say that. Rolling Stone noted Doty on the band's debut for bending his nicotine-stained croon into simple, jazz-inflected melodies. When speaking of the band's sound in general, the magazine pointed out their knack for taking electronic instrumentation to another level, noting that they revolutionized what sampling can do as a rhythmic, harmonic, textural, and melodic tool. Doty is still carrying on that tradition, perhaps in a different way, using digital musical platforms to his advantage. 
Yep, if you can't go out and see him on the road, he actually remains engaged with his fans on the internet with a program called Patreon, where he releases exclusive music to subscribing fans each week. That's an awesome way to build support. Well, let's jump back over to Bar DKDC in the Cooper Young neighborhood of Midtown Memphis, where Doty brought his poetry up close and personal with fans for a dope night of music. Here's more from Mike Doty live on Bill Street Caravan.
I'm here with Mike Doty. Mike, how you doing today, man? I'm great. It's great to be on Bill Street Caravan. Awesome. We're glad to have you. Hey, man, we've been listening to this concert for a minute, man. It just sounds like it was an incredible night. What do you remember from this last stop at Bar DKDC? Well, it's my regular, so I live around the corner from it. I am always doing, like, weird little improv bands. I got one with Steven Chopak called Modicos, one with uh, Dave Kauser called Spooky Party. And so there, Stevan and, uh, and Karen are nice to me and just throw me these nights where very few people come and we just play experimental music. So I thought, like, when I bring something through town that's more... I don't want to say commercial because it's obviously not commercial, but broader audience, I had to bring it back to the place that's been so good to me. Why Memphis? I just love Memphis is the story. I mean, I know so many people in music in New York where I lived before who are moving to Nashville. So I was like, all right, I'm either going to move to Nashville or to Austin. So I flew down to Nashville, got a car, and I'm like, I'm going to drive around East Nashville, whatever, drive over to Austin, look around, whatever. And then a friend of mine, Jay Russo from Mercury Rev, had uh, recorded at Sun. And he said, I've you know, I've always wanted to move to Memphis. And I was like, that's a sentence I've never heard in my entire life. I don't know anything about Memphis. But I was like, yeah, that's fine. I'll, I'll check it out. It's on the way. So I came into Midtown and got an Airbnb and just was like, I want to live here. Like, this is the place. Like, this is the place. And then I went to Austin and, you know, did this sort of diligence looking around and hung out with some friends and then on my way back, got an apartment in Midtown. 
Like it just just was driving through. I was like behind uh, Otherlands, and there was a, a for rent sign, and I called it, and boom, I I lived in Memphis. And I went back up to New York and put my stuff in a minivan and came back down. Awesome. I mean, we're, we're glad to have you. I understand that you sort of in just a short period of time, you've ingratiated yourself with the local arts community. And, and it seems like you found a, a lot of allies, a lot of fans of your oh, music yeah. that already existed. But also you, you've sort of taken a bit of a godfather role, I understand, oh, to, gosh. Some, to, some, to some younger artists, some younger MCs, some younger guys in bands. I met this guy, Andrew Elder, who was a Visible graduate. And an incredible artist, just one of the most astonishingly compelling singers I've ever met in my life. And the moment I saw him, I was like, "Wow, great! Now I have to commit time and money to this because there's no there's no way I can walk out of this building not being a guy that works with Andrew Elder." So I produced an EP for him. Very proud of how it turned out. It's on Spotify and Apple Music. Uh, I've been working with some guys from Unapologetic which is like the locust, man. Like James has it so together. They have a brand like you would not believe. And a thing happens with hip hop labels, all kinds of labels really, is they have their brand together. If they have their personalities, the whole arsenal, when they get that song, that's like the song, it just explodes. And they're pushing and pushing and pushing. And I know that like pro and and a weirdo from Memphis, and Cameron Bethany, and Aaron James, and they're all working all the time. It's really inspiring. When you did records, like the 1994 debut, Ruby yeah. Vroom, absolutely. Did you and these guys that you were working with, did you feel like you guys were trailblazing a new sound? What I was listening to was A Tribe Called Quest. And not only A Tribe Called Quest, but going around to clubs around downtown Manhattan, and just hearing these uh, these jazz records. And the big guys are Premier and you know, Pete Rock, and but there were guys like Swing Set and a bunch of like s smaller names that were just sampling these jazz records. There was a club called Giant Step where they would get like a live saxophone player who would spin over these records. And it there was like a hot moment where it was just about that. It was, that was everything. And I lived in kind of a rock world, kind of a jazz world, because I was uh, working the door at uh, the Knitting Factory. So I was in that world, and I was obsessed with hip hop. I saw a connection between the kind of dissonance in uh, experimental music, the weird noises and stuff, and it was exactly what was happening in Public Enemy is like the, the best example of something that's tonally just completely out there. When I listen to your voice, I listen to your records, I hear Aesop Rock, I hear LP, oh, yeah. sure. uh, Cannibal Ox, even some sure. of that. And uh, how does it feel to sort of have those influences out there? I mean, it's very surprising to me when I meet people who have been directly influenced by me. Because, you know, I'm sort of in the cocoon of my own music, you know, the, the the creativity on the one hand and then just sort of the like professional day-to-day -day doing this as a job. So I, I very rarely sort of look up and see well, what effect has this had on the world. But I think there was just something happening in that part of the 90s where people were looking for a voice that was like a little different. And I think it was, it was just in the air. A lot of the guys you mentioned, LP, Cannibal Ox, they sort of came out of the same stuff that I did. I don't know if I would necessarily claim to have 
influence them, but I know like the same primordial pool of influence is something we share. Sure. What are you working on now? I know that you've got some side projects. I know that you do things on your own. And I've also seen that you've got the Patreon. Yeah. The Patreon's kind of the center of my life creatively. I post a new song every week. It's a subscription plan. And really, it is what pays my mortgage much more so, actually, than even doing this tour of soul coughing songs, which obviously that was the most commercially sizable thing I've ever had. But it really is like a, an obsessive artistic pursuit. I'm not just throwing up demos up there. I mean, some of it's super lo-fi, but intentionally so. I love that model from the 50s and 60s of just like you keep writing songs and cutting them on a 45 and putting them out and just keep throwing them out there, throwing them out there, throwing them out there. And then every 18 months, you know, presto, you've got an album. But I love that aesthetic of working small and working constantly. Absolutely. Well, thanks so much, Mike. Great to see you. Oh, dude, it's always great to be here. I feel so privileged to be a part of Memphis and to be on Beale Street Caravan is so great. It just it makes me so happy. So thank you. Absolutely. Glad to have you, man. Here's more from Mike Doty live on Beale Street Caravan. It's a wine, wine, it's a wine, wine, it's a wine, wine, it's a wine, wine, it's a wine. 
to do with it. Tamara is a king-size drag. Turn on to a thousand joys. Thank you. Scrap, the other thing I really like in stage patter is in the beginning of James Brown's uh, Revolution of the Mind. When the guy comes out and says, I want to know, are you really ready for some super dynamite soul? Probably. Not, not just probably, but probably. Yes. But I feel like I can't be authentic asking people if they want to hear some super dynamite soul. But I was just curious, uh, are, you, are you ready for some uh, super dynamite soul? All right, we'll do our best. I think they're ready for some Super Dynamite Soul. Wow. 
the eyes of visitors. I lurk on my mechanical parapet. Thank you very much. That was Mike Doty, live on Bill Street Caravan. For more information on Mike Doty, head over to MikeDoty.com. Also be sure to sign up for Doty's Patreon, where he's releasing music each week just for fans who sign up and pay. And stay up to date on Mike's upcoming tour dates, or maybe come to Memphis where you might see him around, mentoring local artists and experimenting with his own new sounds. Special thanks to our supporters, AutoZone, Memphis Tourism, Arts Memphis, Tennessee Arts Commission, and Tennessee Tourism for their support in making Bill Street Caravan possible. We'd like to remind our listeners to please show your support for public radio. You won't find programming like this anywhere else. We want to remind our listeners you can find Bill Street Caravan on all social media outlets. Do you love Memphis music? Tell us why and use hashtag IListenToMemphis. Go to our website at BillStreetCaravan.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter to find out where the caravan is going to be next. And you can always keep up with Bill Street Caravan via our podcast that's available through iTunes. We'll be back next week. So until then, I'm Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Kevin Cubbins. You've been listening to the sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan. Mm-hmm.